Then we're going to talk about corporate worship, how to actually help your child uh, in, in corporate worship and lead your family in corporate worship when we're all gathered together as a body. And then we're going to spend some time looking at family worship and how we train our children in, in worshiping God within our own homes. So that's the main outline of today's talk. And you can find the whole uh, outline on the, uh, the table in the back. All right, tra- training your child to love God's church. That's our first idea. So this might seem obvious, but it bears stating. Your child needs to love Christ's church. Your child needs to love Christ's church. Why is that? Well, the church, the gathered community of God's people, we gather on Sunday and we gather at times during the week and we scatter to do the work of the Lord out there and we come back and we gather again. The church of God, the church is where the ordinary means of converting grace are to be found. Remember, we are parenting for the fourth quarter. Our goal is to prepare our children for life and that's eternal life. So if our goal is to prepare our children for eternal life, they need to be converted. They need to go from being sinners to being saints. They need to go from being uh, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's beloved son. They need to uh, receive Jesus. And the means by which God's converting grace is ordinarily given is in the context of the church. When you think about that, the word as it's preached has a special efficacy in God's economy. God has so chosen to work through the preaching of his word to convert sinners, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation, Paul says. But then later he says, how will they hear without a a preacher? The preaching of the word is the primary and special means that God uses to give grace to sinners and take them from darkness to light. So your child needs to be in the place where converting grace is found. And that is in the gathering of God's people. If you think about it, this is how I say it. If I'm talking to someone who's saying, I want to know the Lord Jesus, but I, I don't, I'm not there yet. There's some disconnect. There's some missing link. Here's what I say to them. If you want to get hit by a Mack truck, if you want to get hit by an 18-wheeler, where do you go and stand? In the middle of I-89. You don't, you don't, you're not like out in the field, Right? You might get hit by an 18-wheeler if you're out in the middle of the field, but it's, it's, not, it's not especially likely. If you want to get hit by an 18-wheeler, go and stand right smack dab in the middle of the highway. Right? And it's the same thing with the grace of God. You want your children, you want your children to be struck with the 18-wheeler of God's grace through the Holy Spirit, put them in the middle of the road. And that is the local church. That's the, especially the Sunday morning worship service where the saints gather and the word is preached. So the church is where the ordinary means of converting are to be found. And historically, it's been, it's been the understanding of, of the church that it's been the, uh, the, it's been the understanding as God's people have looked into the gospel, looked into the Bible, it would seem that there are no ordinary possibility of salvation outside the church. Right? I'm not saying it's impossible. Absolutely impossible. But outside the church, there is no ordinary possibility of salvation, as the Westminster Confession says. Lone Ranger Christians, you know, 
fingers amputated from the body of Christ and going out all over there. That's, you know, can a finger live when it's separated from the body? Absolutely not. And in the same way, Christians ordinarily, not saying there might not be an exception in the history of God's church, but the outside the church, there is no ordinary possibility of salvation. The church is the representation of Christ in the world, right? The church is the body of Christ. This is where his people, his body is gathered. It's the temple. It's the place where Jesus speaks to his people through the word. It's the place where he feeds his people at his table. This is where it's at. And for the most part, when you look in the New Testament, the church is not the church universal, right? Some people like to say, well, I'm part of the church universal. I don't need to belong to any local church. But in in the New Testament, church is most of the time not talking about the community of God's people throughout time and space. It's talking about a community, the called out ones in a particular location where believers come together and minister together and build one another up and get, help, get, help one another, by God's grace, get to heaven. So your child needs to love not just the church universal, your child needs to love a local church. It's necessary then to help. Uh, sorry, if your child is, so the, the reality is, if your child is going to come to Christ, and if your child is going to live faithfully for Christ, he or she is going to be part of local churches for the duration of their lives, which means that it's necessary then in every way possible to help them love the church and to train them, because everything requires training, right? Very few good things come naturally, to train them to love the church of God. All right, now, how does that happen? Modeling is everything here. Modeling, as we've said before, but especially here, is everything here. For children to love God's church, their parents love God's church. Or I should say it this way. Children who love God's church have parents who love God's church. If you want to see a kid who's grumpy, who's grumpy about the about church, grumpy about being part of the church, then I always encourage their parents to look at their own attitudes toward the church because it's very rare It's very rare to see kids turned off to church if their parents aren't in some way contributing that by their attitudes. So modeling is everything here. That doesn't mean your child's going to be, that doesn't mean that your child is a Christian, but when a child is turned off to the church, turned off to being part of of the community here, even though they're not yet a member of it if they're not in faith, but a child that's turned off to it, is likely responding to an attitude that, you're, that, that is within the parent. So, the question, if you're going to seek for your children to love God's church, the question has to be, first and foremost, do I and my spouse love the church? Is my attitude toward the church one of resounding positivity? That doesn't mean you got stars in your eyes and you think that you know, your local church, in this case of almost all of you, Redeeming Grace Church, that you think it's perfect and that there's nothing that could be improved. Well, of course that's not true. But you know the difference between fundamentally excited, fundamentally for, fundamentally oriented toward the church and a sense either of 
holding it at arm's length, or being critical, right? Those two things are death for your child, for you to be either holding the church at arm's length or being actively critical, because your child will see that and know it. You're modeling something, uh, really, that's detrimental to their souls. So when I think about loving the church and, and you modeling that with your attitude, I think of it in a couple of different ways. Excitement for the gathering. Excitement for the gathering. I mean primarily here Sunday morning, but also for various gospel ministries of the church. You're excited about what's going on. You're excited that the church is going to have a ladies' Christmas breakfast. You're excited that the one is happening. You're excited that there's a work day coming up. Yes, next week. <laughs> <laughs> and the week after, you're, 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 you know, you know, you're, you're a single, you know, you're a, you're a, uh, you're a dad that's excited to send his wife to the women's retreat, even though it's going to cause all sorts of havoc in your schedule, right? You're excited about the get the God's people gathering, but primarily, I am talking about Sunday morning. If you are ho hum about the gathering of God's people, if for you. Sunday morning worship is easily knocked out, right? What displaces Sunday morning? If that's easy to do, if it's not strange for your kids to wake up on Sunday morning and have you get say, yeah, guys, we're not going to church today because, you know, if that's regular that they hear that in your house, you know, then you're displaying, you're modeling for them that the public worship of God is relatively unimportant. And it can be knocked off course either because we've got, I mean, I hate to use it, but it's so common in our day, you know, a sporting event, we've, or, you know what, we just stayed up too late last night, you know, we watched the late movie, um, and so we're just all tired, we're all a little grumpy, might be better if we just don't go, right? If, If you're easily knocked out of Sunday morning worship, you are modeling that, the worship of God, that God is not, is, you're modeling that God is not worthy of sacrifice in worshiping him. So, you being ho-hum is not helpful to your kids. You're, the worship of God, this is where he pours out his grace by his spirit upon his people, and you're saying that that's a matter of indifference. Don't let that be your family. Don't let that be your family. Does that mean that there aren't situations where you miss church? Of course there are. My wife is missing church this morning because our daughter is sick. But that's not because we just decided that it was inconvenient. It's because she's sick, right? So yes, there are times. But that has to be, that has to be, there are a very rare set of circumstances. You know, it, it, it's, it should be something that you are setting the pace at being eager. You're not just, yeah, we're going. Yeah, we got it. We're dutifully going again. But then you're excited, right? They, they used to say that, that uh, the Puritans said that Sunday was the, the Lord's Day was the market day of the soul, right? It's the day when you all come together, and it's, you know, it's, it's like a fair. It's like going to the fair. Well, church is like going to the fair, you know? It's where you get the candy apples and you get the fried dough. This is where all the good stuff of God's, God's means of grace. All right. So excitement for the gathering of God's people. Love for God's people. Love for the people. Let me ask you this. Is redeeming grace, do your kids think of redeeming grace as their family? Because you think of redeeming grace as their family, as your family, right? This is our family, guys. 
Now, do we have physical, natural families? Of course we do. And we have obligations to them. But this is our, we share one father. We have one older brother. We're brothers and sisters. There's not, it's not an accident that the Lord uses that again and again as the metaphor. We are family. We belong to, you, you know, you, can't, you can choose your friends. You can't choose your family, right? You can't choose your family. You're, we're it. <laughs> you know, if you're committed to RGC, if you're in RGC, you know, and we, you know, like all families, there's crazy Uncle Louie, right? <laughs> you know, and that's, you know, you know, I, you know, so we are, we are family. Your child needs to see you treating us our body as such. These are the people that are precious to us. These are the people for whom we prefer. These are the children of God. These are the people you're going to spend eternity with. And that's not just the ones that you click with, you happen to click with, right? So are you modeling for your, for your kids that you're, that you're interacting with, that you're praying for, that you're loving, that you're serving people that are different than you, people that are of different, a different generation from you? You know, you're, you're not just hanging with, you know, if you're a young parent, you're not just hanging out with the other young parents in the church, but you're seeking to develop relationships with the older saints and the, you know, and the single folk and, and different things. So you need to be seeing, they need to see your love for the family. Number three, respect for the leadership. Right now we're back to authority, right? What is God given? Who is God given as the authority within the church? He's given elders who are raised up from among the flock as under-shepherds of the flock. We've talked in the beginning of the course of how important it is to establish authority, that your child knows that he or she is living under authority, primarily, of course, under your authority as you represent for them God's authority. Well, guess what? you have a wonderful opportunity to model that in that you submit to authority yourself. And if you're part of Redeeming Grace Church, then one of the authorities that God has you under is the eldership of Redeeming Grace Church. Are you in joyful submission to the elders of Redeeming Grace Church just as you want your children to be under joyful submission to you? Right? Which is what you signed up for if you're a member here. Right? You chose to come under the leadership and that does not mean, of course, just as it doesn't mean in a husband and wife authority relationship where the husband is in authority over his wife, that doesn't mean that there's constructive feedback given by the wife to the husband. It doesn't mean that the husband is infallible and can't make mistakes. In the same way, our church leadership certainly can make mistakes. Our church leadership can have constructive criticism and feedback. But at the end of the day, you're, we're leading and you're following. Just as the husband is leading, the wife is following. The parents are leading, the children are following. There's real authority. So if you spend your time grumbling at the elders when they you know, announce that such and such initiative is being planned, or, you know, or questioning their leadership, and, and, and honestly, it's not, even, it's not even when you do that in their hearing, God forbid, in the hearing of your, of your children, that you'd be, you'd be talking down the elders, talking down BJ. But even if it's an attitude that just is lodged in your own heart, it's going to come out, and your kids are going to see that, and your kids are going to see that you're a little sour. So if you're sour toward the leadership of our church, if you find yourself in that situation, you need to work that out. Because otherwise, you're going to go dark, 
you're going to have a sour attitude. Your kids are going to know that, and they're going to begin to see the church as something to be sour at. Again, the opposite of what you're looking for. So, live in joyful submission to the leadership of, of, that God has put, put over you. And do that with all the appropriate caveats, which is that we want your feedback. We welcome your feedback. We, this is not, you know, this is not heavy-handed. It's under-shepherding. But it is real. Okay, so respect for the leadership, enthusiasm for the mission. Enthusiasm for the mission, right? Because we have been given something by God. We've been given something by Christ to do, which is that we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creatures. Right? That's our calling. And at Redeeming Grace Church, we have particular ways that the elders are seeking to have that play out, right? We, we hope, Lord willing, one day to plant a church or revitalize a church, you know, in our area or in our catchment region, right? You know, that's going to take a lot of sacrifice. That's going to take a lot of effort, a lot of work, a lot of money. So are you, are you going to sit back, you know, in, in your home and be like, gosh, you know, they're trying to get me to go to, on a mission trip to go help this, you know, you know. And your kids see that. Or maybe it's an opportunity for the kids, and you're like, oh, gosh, that's another Saturday in the, you know, in the, down the toilet. You know, I was going to do all, you know. You know. And, and what, are they, what are they absorbing when they see that? They're absorbing the idea that God's mission isn't important, that Christ's work of evangelism that he set us to isn't important. So if, if there are church evangelistic initiatives, like the Georgia Fall Fest, we had the opportunity to connect to a number of, of people that were taking ultimate questions, that were, you know, if, if we're engaged as a church in an opportunity for evangelism, or if we're engaged on, a, if we, when the next time we take a mission trip, you don't have to go. Maybe it's not the right time for you to go. Are you excited about it? Are you ready to give to it? Are you ready to encourage those who are going? Are you going to pray for it with your kids, you know, as they're gone, right? Are you excited about the mission. All right. So those four things. Let me take a second to ask for questions on those four things as I talk about how you model, how you model for your kids love for the church. Any pushback on any of those? Okay. All right. Practically speaking, what, is this, what does it look like? Well, again, if you go back to my sermon a couple weeks ago, it means putting the church as the hub in the wheel of your life rather than as one spoke among many, right? And that be, that's because not because Jesus isn't the hub, but how is Jesus being the hub actually worked out in the life of the Christian? It's being seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Well, where is his kingdom represented on earth? It's in the local church. So it means having the church as the hub of your life. It means orienting your schedule around what's going on in the church. It means that you're in because this is the family. Right? It means, practically also, it means that you want to give your kids multiple opportunities to hear the gospel from others in the church. Right? You're in, you actually should see, I, I would encourage you to see yourself in partnership with the church in training your kids in the gospel. They need to hear the gospel. They need to hear biblical wisdom from people other than you. Because the reality is, 
you have inconsistencies. You have, uh, you have things where you're strong and things where you're weak. If you're the only picture that they get of what a Christian looks like, they're going to have a, you know, a, they're going to have a somewhat skewed vision of it. Think about the body analogy, right? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be, right? God's made us all these different parts, and we have little toes, and we have spleens, and we have tongues, and we have hair, and, and, and God says, we need them all. Well, your child needs them all, right? Let's say you're a, you're, you're, let's say you're a, an index finger, and your spouse is a spleen, Right? And what is your child seeing day in and day out? What, what in the body of Christ are they seeing? Well, they, they're, seeing, they're seeing an index finger and a spleen. Right? And you want them exposed to the whole beautiful body of Christ. The whole beautiful body of Christ, which means all the different people. They need to know and be willing to listen to and hear from. That's why I love Awana, because my kids are hearing the gospel from other people. Isaiah's in... In uh, Keith and Nikki, so he's hearing the gospel from Keith and Nikki, right? Right now, you know, Eric's Eric Larson's teaching foundations, which means that your kids, if they're in that class, are hearing the gospel from someone other than you. That's a good thing, because you want it to grow up so that when they're teenagers, they have other voices speaking into their lives. So my wife is a pediatrician, right? Right now, she's seeing mental health among teenagers just. <laughs> And she talks to them and says, who other than your parents are adults that you could talk to about something significant? And a lot of them say, I don't have anybody. And I wouldn't really talk to my parents, I'd talk to my friends. How's that gonna go, friends? Your child needs to have people in this church that they know and they love, and that they know they know, know and love them that they can be honest with, that they can seek their counsel with. I'll talk about that more in a little bit, but you want other people. They need a fuller picture of the gospel than you and your spouse can present. You can do a great job. They still need others. You need others. All right. Let kids continually see and participate in loving the body of Christ, in, in the, the body of Christ loving themselves. If there's a work day, and, there's, and it's appropriate, right, Bring your kids to the work day. If, you, if there's a move that you're going to go help with, take them to the move, right? They can carry pillows, you know, even if they're, you know, and, and even if you're spending, like, a portion of your bandwidth managing your kid, right now if they're climbing chandeliers, you know, maybe, you know, work on the obedience piece and then bring them to the move. <laughs> but, but take them with you when the body is, is feeding itself, when it's helping themselves. So you need to have, allow them to see that it's normal for the body of Christ to love each other in tangible ways. Finally, I won't say much about this, but you know, commit to the local church. This isn't something that I can say from Scripture, but I'd encourage you, arrange your vacation so you're not missing Sunday. Boy, what a radical concept that is in our day and age. You know, or if you're gone for more than a week and you're gone over a Sunday... Find a church where you're at on vacation and go and prioritize the worship of God in that congregation. But, it, you know, if you can take a, a, a Sunday afternoon to Saturday vacation, then you get to be with your family. You, you want to see your ch children prioritize. You see, want your children to see you prioritizing the Lord's Day worship. All right, speaking of that, corporate worship. How are we training our kids in when the body of Christ is gathered? 
Right? So first let me say that there's great value in having our children with us in corporate worship. It's one of the reasons that we changed up uh, how we do uh, foundations, right? It used to be that up to sixth grade, you know, ki kids up to sixth grade would be absent from the sermon, which, you know, it was, there were reasons for it, but we changed that because we actually want our kids to be with the gathering of God's people. It allows for togetherness as a family. It's hard to overestimate the good influence of families doing valuable things together week after week. And corporate worship is, of course, one of the most valuable things that we can do. You're doing it with your kids. Your children need it. It's a great opportunity for them to catch the spirit of your own participation in singing joyfully and hearing the word attentively and praying earnestly. They're watching you model that. It's good for the different generations to worship together. All right, so that's why we value. That's why we're not annoyed when there's a baby crying in the service. It's why we're not annoyed when a five-year-old is acting like a five-year-old and, you know, makes a little bit of a fuss and might need to be taken out and, you know, you know, you know that's just all fine. You're never going to hear BJ or I fuss about that. You know, if they're screaming at the top of their lungs and you seem unaware, you know, that's a different thing. <laughs> but guess what? None of you are ever going to do that. <laughs> you know, so we, we just, we love the sound of the children. You know, that's a good thing. If you, if you didn't have the sound of children in, in the worship service, where's your church heading? Toward blue hair and, and ultimately, you know, death. Now, we love our older saints, and that's not a dig at them. It's just saying that, that the church, well, the church doesn't always value, you know, church, people don't always value, our society doesn't value older age, right? So we need everything. We need everything. We need the children. We need them seeing the older. We, don't you want your young child seeing a saint that's walked with God for 50 years, worshiping God? They, they need to see that. All right. So that means we need to train them to delight in the corporate worship of God and to see that God is worthy of worship. We love him. How do we love him? You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. That's what they need to see in the corporate worship. They need to see that worship is joy, that worship is life, and that God's word is food and drink. So we need to train them to delight, not just to exist in the corporate worship of God, but to delight in it. Which means you have to set an expectation for them. I want to tell you something. I want you to hear this. I believe you need to set an expectation, even for your younger children, an expectation that they are participating in age-appropriate ways and engaging in the worship of God. They're not just sitting here waiting for it to be over. They're engaging in it. They're participating in it as they're able as a five-year-old or a seven-year-old or a 13-year-old, right? One of the things that means is believing that they're capable of more than you think they are, which is true. They're capable of more than you think they are. They're capable of understanding more than you think they can. You also have to believe that the congregation wants them in our midst, and we do. If you can believe that, and if you can believe that they've got more smarts about them than you think they do, 
then it'll give you the confidence to bring them in here on Sunday morning and expect them to participate. And it is, I would say, it, it, it should be an expectation, right? It should be your expectation that they sing. And if they're not Christians yet, that's an exercise of, that's an exercise of faith. But they're singing the truth of God which means they're ministering to it in their own hearts. You should expect them to sing. You know, when we have a, if we have a, if we have a corporate reading, I'm taking my, my I've got Simon on my lap, and I'm putting my finger along here, right? Because I want him saying those words. I want him praying the Lord's Prayer with us. I want him participating in the things. Now, what does that mean? It means you guys have to engage wholeheartedly in public worship. Going to be stereotypical, and I'm going to speak to the dads, and I'm going to say, sing, dads. Come on, Brad, come on, preach it. <laughs> what on earth are you showing your children if you stand there with the glorious gospel words up there, and you, because you think that your singing voice isn't great, or you aren't trained in singing, or you're self-conscious, if you're standing there, not singing. Come on, preach it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, You've you got to model it, guys. You've got to model that, that, that our hearts go out in joy in the worship of God. It means you're engaged. It doesn't mean you're taking notes. It just means you're engaged in the service. It means you're engaged in, in everything that's going on, and you're training them to. And, you, and your expectation is that they would as well. And what does that mean? That means you're prepping them beforehand. Right? It's not a surprise. You're talking with them ahead of time. What they can expect, so they're not surprised, and what you expect of them, so that they're not surprised. You know, if you're trying to parent, you know, in the pew while something's going on up here, that's harder, isn't it? But, but if you've already said, now, you know, buddy, when we get to, when we get to church, we're going to do everything we can. You know some of those songs. I want you to sing them. You know, when daddy comes over and he, he has, you know, I know you're not, you're, even if they're not reading, you know, you're, you're going through. Here's what we're saying. Here's what we're reading. You're engaging with them. You're prepping them to participate. You're not just expecting that they're going to be there as blobs, you know, doing nothing or taking it all in passively. So preview what we're going to do, right? You always know, if you get the emails, which I think every one of you in this room do, you know what the passages on Sunday. So you can prep them by reading the passage ahead of time. You can prep them. Sometimes if there's going to be a new song, or I have a new song today, didn't think to ask BJ to send that out, but if we tell you that there's going to be a new song ahead of time, you can work with them on singing that new song. Hey, we're going to get ready to sing on Sunday. You can pray for the preacher. If I'm preaching, pray for me. If BJ's preaching, pray for him. You're getting your kids ready and setting the expectations beforehand so that then... If there's a situation which you need to address in the pew, you've already prepped and said, remember what daddy said. Now, are you, are you obeying right now? And now we're back to the last few weeks, right? Then you can take them out if you need to and deal with it, right? But you've all, you're not surprising them because you've already set the expectation. They're to be here. They're to be listening. They're not to be whispering. They're not to be disengaged, all right? Again, as age appropriate. Okay, giving them tools to bring them along. Here's my suggestion. This is a Parkerism, not a Bibleism. 
Keep the tools simple. You know, if you bring half of their bedroom with them, you know, that's, I just don't, I just don't see that as particularly helpful. You're training them to participate in the worship of God, not just to be quiet while others do so. Right? We don't want to have a mindset that, you know, I'm just getting them to be quiet so they're not a distraction. Right? We want them as they can, as they get bigger, that they're participating. So keep it to simple. So I, what we used was simple coloring materials. Right? Simple coloring materials, which can transition over time into pen and pen and pencil. Right? You know, so that I'm not saying you know, Isaiah started taking notes on his own initiative, and he has a little notebook, and he takes notes on the sermon. I didn't tell him to do that. But he was, but I was, in one sense, prepping him by how we were helping him engage before he could write, you know, before he could read, so that he's, so that he's cued to hear the sermon. So I would recommend coloring, coloring, coloring pages, some crayons, you know, ask them to draw a picture of something they're hearing about or about something in one of the songs, right? There's ways you can do that. Talk to me afterwards if you got some idea, need some ideas. I think you give them cues. You give them cues throughout the service, right? You understand the service better than they do. That, that's why when the corporate confession of sin comes, you get down next to them. You're not just standing there yourself doing it. Who cares what they're doing? You're doing it with them, you know? When we come to the Lord's table, what I used to do is I just will whisper, have one of my kids on my lap, I'd say, now what does the bread mean? What is the bread? Why do we, why do we, why do the believers eat the bread? Oh, the, the bread's the body of Christ, represents the body of Christ. Yes, body of Christ that he broke for us on the cross. You know, it's, you could do that in a whisper, right? You're, you're helping them understand all that's going on in the service. You're, I, would, I would teach them the Lord's Prayer. Teach them the Lord's Prayer so that when we come to the part of the service where we pray the Lord's Prayer, they can pray it. Right? So you're, you're trying to give them cues throughout the course of the service to keep them engaged. And then, of course, you debrief with them afterwards. You discuss the sermon. You pray for the requests that were shared. You sing the songs that were shared. You know, we have five songs uh, on a, on a typical Sunday morning. If you, at, at, for the next five days, just sang one of those five songs, or even three of those songs over the course of three of those five days, you know, you're reinforcing for them what we talked about and what we learned. Those are recommendations. All right. But you want your child engaged in the worship of God. All right, let's transition to family worship. Now, when I say family worship, some of you get your back up, maybe, or you're like, ah, gosh, this means, you know, something that a Puritan might have done and would have taken 45 minutes, and I don't have any idea how I do that, and I'm a new believer, and I don't know what I'm doing, right? So I'm just going to try and make this as simple as I can, because family worship can look like all sorts of different things, but it has some key components, Here's my general thoughts about how you're teaching your kids and worshiping God in your home. You want to be speaking, praying, and singing about the gospel often and consistently. I think you want to do it shorter and more frequently. That's my recommendation. Do it shorter and more frequently. It's better to have them wanting more than to become bored. So if you plan for something that's too long, 
right? You are less likely to be tight in what you're doing as well. And also, they're more likely to, to, to check out. You don't want that. Have something short, and uh, it helps you be consistent. Just find the time that works for your family. For us, it's bedtime. Bedtime is the easiest time. Right? I, didn't even, I wouldn't even said at the beginning of, of my parenting that what I was doing was family worship. I was just praying with my kids and reading them the Bible stories and, and praying with them. And, you know, that, the, 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 that's what God calls us to do. It's not, thou shalt have family devotions, as if that's some formalized thing. What it says is, teach your kids the word, pray with them, sing with them, right? Those are, I think, the three main things you ought to be doing. Uh, so find the time that works with your family. Is it, in, is it at dinner time? Is it at breakfast time? If you've got some absurd family that rises early, you know, and is all a box of birds. You know what kind of patterns uh, work for your family, but do something rather than do nothing. Right? If, you, if your children never are engaging with God's word, and they're never praying, and they're never singing about the gospel in your home, and they only see that when they come here, I, that's, that's, I, think you're, I think there's work to be done, all right? So, number one, the first element, Bible. Now, that can be actually, the, uh, you know, your kids can understand the, the words of God, even young ones can, as it's written in the Bible, but I don't have, a, I see no difficulty in introducing them to the Bible through Bible storybooks. Your goal is understanding. And on the back, you've got some recommended resources for that, and I'm going to preview some of them here. You want to follow up with questions and with conversation. When they get the word, whether it's you're reading from the Bible or you're reading from some other gospel book or gospel devotional or children's Bible, you're wanting to seek to dialogue with them, to draw them out, to understand what's going on. It's not just a one, I wouldn't recommend necessarily just a one way. You're trying to to draw their heart out. You know, you can incorporate scripture memory. You can, if your kid's involved in Awana, that can be a time when you work on your, when you can incorporate the Awana verses. You can even do something like a catechism. Now, catechism is just a series of questions and answers where, you know, so here's, here's one that I think is a worthy one. The New City Catechism came out of Tim Keller's church. Question one, what is our only hope in life and death? That we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Obviously a shrinking down of that more famous question from the Heidelberg Catechism. And guess what? There's a version for older kids, and there's a version for younger kids. For if, you, if you've got your, your four-year-old, that we are not our own, but belong to God. That's pretty good. You know? So you can work through a, you can work through a catechism. Let me show you some of the things that we've got at our house. I brought a whole box. This, you can tell, is um, well used. This is probably my favorite with younger children. The Big Picture Story Bible takes the whole uh, story of redemption and uh, explains it. Another one that does that well is the Jesus Storybook Bible. Right? It's also telling the whole story. Right now, what we're doing in Loving is Catherine Voss's The Child's Story Bible, which is from the early 20th century, but very, very readable, and just is a great shortening and retelling of the, all, the, all the stories and narratives of Scripture. Um, in terms of devotionals, there's this one, Leading Little Ones to God. You can come up and, and 
and take a look at any of these afterwards. You've got Theology. We talked about that last week. You've got Marty Machowski's books, The Gospel Story Bible, or Old Story New. You're trying to get your kids interfacing with God's Word. So, singing. Singing, I think this is good. We're trying to cultivate an atmosphere in our homes where God is not simply worthy of obedience, but of praise and delight. You're connecting family worship with corporate worship by singing the songs that we sing on Sunday. So you can listen to scripture songs, worship music in the car, around the house, in bed. You can, you can, choose, you can choose what your kids are taking in and choose what they're listening to. You're training yourself to sing in some of the cases if that's not been your habit. We don't have a culture in the U.S. of singing as much um, as they do in some other parts of the world. And so you're training yourself if it's not a muscle that's easy for you. So the Bible, singing, and prayer. Prayer. We do want to teach our children to pray even before they're believers. We want to teach them to pray and to see that God is the one to whom they seek for help. So at the earliest ages, you can, you can prompt them, what can we thank, what's one thing we can thank God for today? And then you can say, okay, you pray for that, and then I'll pray. And they pray, thank you, Lord, that we got to go to Grandma's house today. And then you pray, and you pray whatever you want. But you're beginning that practice. Uh, as they're more mature, you can have more significant intercession. So right now, what our kids are doing is taking the brand new directory, which is back there. So I've had a couple of weeks with these pictures that you haven't had, but we're actually going through, looking at the pictures, and at night, I'm saying, okay, so we're, last night we took the end of the directory, and then every kid took uh, someone that they wanted to pray for and then prayed a prayer uh, for that. And so we took three of the families from the last few pages of the directories, and, and then Daddy did the fourth. So... So we, we, we're praying, again, because I'm trying to get them excited about this family. All right? So pray for our RGC family. Pray for missionaries that we've got in our missions prayer requests. Pray for your children with your children. Pray for their salvation with them present. Intercede for their souls in their hearing so that they know that dad's, mom's greatest desire for them more than anything else in all the world is for them to come to know Jesus. Pray for them with them. All right, my last few minutes, I want to talk about how, to to borrow a phrase, it takes a church to raise a child, to raise a a godly child. My dad really modeled this very well. He did not try and keep me to himself as the only spiritual influence in my life. He wanted me to know the other people in our church and to know the men in our church and to have input from them. He did not want to be the only source. He was not stingy with me or jealous of my my training, which meant that by the time I was, say, 25, almost every one of the elders at Christ Memorial Church had had some significant training role in my life. And there were like 13 of them. And for almost all of them, I could have said, I worked on this with that man, with Mr. Austin, or this with Mr. Pratt. Oh, I was calling them by their first names by then. But you know what I'm saying? You know, I knew the elders. Now, I was a boy, obviously, so you know, make the transfer. And they were investing in me. 
And I knew I could seek them out. You want that. One of the reasons we were so excited to be coming to Redeeming Grace Church, do you know why one of the reasons I loved the idea that we were coming here? is because I knew there were men and women in this church that I could point my kids to. Watch Mr. Fick pray. Watch Mr. Munger interact with visitors. Watch how the people in this church are doing to serve one another. I was so excited that we were, I was going to be bringing my kids into an environment where I could have them watch godly men and women. You want that for your kids. Which means, encourage them to know and interact with the adults. We're going to talk more about that in a couple weeks. Encourage them to interact with adults, not to be in their own little kid world. The I'd make to you is, adults... Get to know the other kids in the church other than your own and invest in them. Not just in formal settings like Awana or Sunday school, but are you learning the names of the kids in our congregation? If I I gave you their pictures, how many of them would you be able to say what their name was? Learn the names. Say hi to them. Engage with them. Don't be creepy. You know know how not to be creepy. But, But... I want them, I want my kids knowing you. I want you having a category of investing in them. They need you. I need you to help me with them. Do you have a mindset of engaging with the children in our church? They are only the next generation of the people of God in the world when we pass off the scene. Please, please see yourself as not just investing in your own children, but in the children of Redeeming Grace Church. You want them internalizing, this is my family. Even before they're Christians, this is my family. These people know me and love me. Invest in them. Please invest in them. They need it. All right. So, thank you. Sorry, we don't have time for questions at the end of today, but um, come and talk to me afterwards because I'll answer them. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your church. Thank you that your church is glorious and beautiful. Grace Church, while a work in progress, has glory and beauty in it. And we pray that you would help us to work together to invest in our children and teach them the gospel. Uh, We pray that our children would love your church, even before they're Christians and especially after, that they would serve her with all of their being for the rest of their days. Uh, to your glory and to their eternal good. In Jesus' name, amen.